For me, the most important topic to communicate to your team is really the vision and the purpose of your company. Because I believe that people really want to know why they are doing things. It's not enough anymore to tell, you know, this is where we're going and now let's do it. Um, you really have to, to draw the, the vision and involve them by making it happen. That's a very strong and important factor of CEO communication. Hello and welcome to another episode of Speak Like a CEO. My name is Lena Carlson and I'm here with Oliver Hey, Oliver. Hey, Lena. Good morning. Our guest today is Eva Meinen. Her goal is to become the first woman leading a unicorn in Germany. She's a trained engineer who worked for some of the biggest names in German engineering, such as Siemens, Porsche and MTU for 13 years, before becoming the co-CEO of Plus Dental in 2019. Hi, Eva. Hello, Oliver. Hello, Lena. Nice to be with you this morning. Nice to have you here this morning. Can you tell us what Plus Dental is doing? Yes, of course. So, you know, a majority actually in, in Germany and Europe, if you ask people, they are unhappy with their teeth. And that leads or can lead to the fact that they don't smile that much, that they lack of confidence, that they don't like to take pictures with them smiling. And all of that holds them back. And we at Plus Dental, we have a solution for that. So with our invisible aligners, we help patients to correct their malocclusions. And that's a fantastic product. It does that in a very safe and invisible and also affordable way. And with this product, we have already treated more than 35,000 patients already. Fantastic. What's the origin story of the product? So the product itself, so the invisible aligner itself is not a new product. It was developed more than 25 years ago by a company called Align Technologies. And lately some patents ran out and that gave us the opportunity to create a completely new approach and product around this invisible aligners. And that means that we combined the product with digital processes and with uh, new technologies to make it more accessible and affordable for more patients. So also in Germany, actually, uh, there was the opportunity already for a longer time to do that kind of treatment, but it was not really known. And for those who knew about it, uh, it was very expensive and not really affordable. And we, with our company, we want now to create the opportunity for more people to actually do this incredible, great treatment uh, in an affordable way. I have to say, when I think about health tech, dentistry or anything in that sphere doesn't immediately spring to mind. And you just mentioned the digital aspect. Could you elaborate a little bit on that, how it fits into that kind of part of the industry? I couldn't agree more. So when you think about uh, dentistry, you think of a very traditional way on how patients are treated. Now, what we have built up is our own tech stack to allow the patient a real digital journey. And we do have physical interactions with our dentist, of course, where necessary, but everything else is done digitally. So to shortly explain how a customer patient journey looks like at Plus Dental, you book your appointment online, everything is done digitally, then you have one physical appointment at the dentist. The dentist then does a consultation. He checks your dental health and sees if you are applicable for our treatment. And then they do a 3D scan of your teeth. So the 3D scan of your teeth, that's the modern way on how to get teeth impressions. It's actually quite exciting. It's like a dental toothbrush that you are using and it makes a complete precise and a digital impression of your teeth. And then we do photos and all of that is with one click transferred to our dental lab here in Berlin. 
also fully digitally. And here our dental technicians, they plan your treatment. So they plan every single step and every single movement of your teeth digitally supported by a computer software. And with this very precise model, we are able to predict the movement of teeth um, very precisely. And I find that very exciting because I went through all kinds of orthodontic treatments when I was a kid. And you had no idea on how long it would take or how your end result would look like. And we can provide that to our patients so they get a full 3D visualization of how their teeth will move and how they will look like in the end. And based on that 3D visualization, the patient decides to buy and then everything is produced in our high-tech dental lab here in Berlin and we're using 3D printing technologies to produce our aligners because each aligner is individually manufactured to your teeth. That, that, that's really interesting if I may um, so that you're using basically digital technology but you're also using the physical the engineering side the 3D printing as well as sort of the traditional medical establishment dentist uh, and bringing these elements together having uh, you know basically ideas colliding and come up with a completely new idea and, and a fast-growing business I think that that's really fascinating absolutely I mean if you think about it all these bits and pieces were somewhere already available but uh, the strengths that we put into our product is to combine all those and make a really high medical and innovative treatment out of that and you're an engineer by training so uh, you, you joined the company, uh, I think, two years ago. It was already founded. So, so tell us a little bit how you joined the company and, and how did that happen? Yeah, in fact, I'm good friends with Lucas, one of the founders of Plus Dental. And Plus Dental was founded at end of 2017. And I uh, remember him sitting in my uh, living room one evening and telling me about this new plan to bring the invisible aligner to Europe. And I was on fire immediately because I, I knew about the product by, by, by chance because a friend of mine, uh, she worked in America for some time and she went through that treatment and the result were just amazing. I mean, she had a complete new attitude towards life. She was smiling more. And uh, I thought, wow, if we are able to bring that great product to Europe, then that has to be a huge success. So they started off their company. And then six months later, Lucas called me and he said they were planning to insource all of the operations and the planning and plus the, pro the physical production of the aligners. And uh, that's my specialty. So I uh, worked for years in operations and in physical production. And he asked me if I wanted to do that job and did that up. And uh... How is the process actually of coming into a company as the CEO or the co-CEO when you're not the founder? What are some of the, I guess, maybe the things that people should be aware of? Well, I didn't join the company as a co-CEO. I joined the company as a COO because that was my job to build up operations. And very quickly, I also took over the customer service and then the sales department. And um, when one of the founders decided to step out of uh, his operational responsibilities, uh, Lucas and Peter asked me to join as co-CEO. And uh, that was because they believed that I did great work and that I brought a great different perspective to uh, their CEO team. And I felt super thankful, but it was also easier for me because I was already part of the company. All of the team members, we were still quite a small team by, at that time. They knew me, uh, they knew my work. So there was really a lot of acceptance and a lot of uh, appreciation right away. 
And how does the communication work between you and the two other CEOs that, who are co-founders? So I can imagine that there could be a lot of tension, but you guys seem to be very much aligned in what you're doing and the success is clearly there to show for it. But how does this work communications-wise on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, we all have our own responsibilities. Uh, like I'm now responsible besides the operation also for our medical team, for all of our dentists and dental operations, for our finance department and our HR. And uh, Lucas and Peter have their own responsibilities that they take fully care of, but all strategic and important decisions we take together. And um, how does it work? We spend a lot of time on the phone or in uh, Zoom meetings to align on uh, the strategic topics. And the key to our success, because I really think we are very successful as a, the three of us, is that we completely trust and appreciate each other. So there's not one who takes the final decision. You know, we are often asked like, yeah, but there needs to be one who makes the final call. It's not like that. We exchange our views and they are often quite different, I would say. And then we come to a, I would say, better decision because it has looked at different aspects and we have brought in our different experience and perspectives on the, on the decision. And, but then it's very easy to, to come to a joint conclusion. And that's because we appreciate each other so much. So uh, if there's a, let's say, a success factor, then it has to be trust, it has to be appreciation, because we all know all of us never put ourselves in the middle, never our own interest or increasing our own field of responsibility. It's always about finding the best for the company. One of these strategic decisions you mentioned is expanding into new markets. And you're already, uh, obviously, in the German-speaking region, a few other markets. Now you're going into Belgium, Den Denmark, Italy in the coming weeks. How do you prepare for such a market entry from the communications perspective? I think you're, uh, you're doing a lot of advertising. Is that correct? And any other tools you're using? Well, we have a... a, a how do you say, blueprint on how to open a new market. We are now live in eight markets already. And we have, as you said, planning to open three more in the upcoming weeks. So uh, we have a quite uh, good understanding on what needs to be done to be successful opening a market. And there are probably three very important factors we need to consider with each market. One is the regulatory setup because it's quite different from country to country or slightly different. And you always need to find uh, the way on how you are allowed and can operate in that country. The second one is we are operating with dentists on the ground. So with partner dentists. So you need to find your initial partners in each country that uh, work with you. And the second one is to build up your marketing, your local team in the country that is then able to, you know, foster the brand and uh, deal with patients and make customized marketing for those markets. So these are the three uh, topics you need to consider before you can actually launch the country. When you're looking at the kind of users in potential countries, what kind of factors determine that they might be interested in such a product? Like, how are you doing that user research? Well, I mean, we do look at the let's say, competitive landscape and how orthodontic treatments are, uh, whether the, for instance, insurance covers it or not. So there are aspects we are looking at. But to be also very honest, that's a very quick check for us. At the moment, most of the countries we are entering, there is not really yet an opportunity for patients to do a treatment like they can do with us. So often enough, we are the first 
entering the market. And I can say so far, the demand has always been so big that we are always short on capacity in the new markets that we enter because it seems like people have waited to get the chance to uh, correct their teeth in a, in a modern and affordable way. So we don't spend too much time in consumer research because we do feel that there's a quite common situation in Europe and that is that uh, invisible aligners are not yet accessible. And what, what is that message market fit you alluded to? Is it a medical message? Is it a beauty message? Is it a confidence message? What, what kind of message works and is it different from country to country? For us, it's not different because we speak from the core of the com company and for us, it's definitely a medical treatment and we are putting medical standards very high. Um, for one, that's also why we are operating with local dentists on the ground, uh, excellent dentists that know what they are doing and we support them and become their digitalization partner. And on the other hand, we're also running our own treatment and production also gives us the opportunity to really control and continuously improve the quality of our product because we want to really create the best treatment for our patients out there. To give you an example, you know, when you are in treatment, actually the, the monitoring of the treatment is mainly done remotely, so supported by our own developed app. So the patients, they, they are in contact with us every week and they upload information of their treatment, giving us parameters that we can then analyze and see if the treatment is going as planned. And every other month they upload pictures and those photos are then reviewed by the dentist remotely to see if the treatment is on track or not. And if everything is perfect, then you just continue and you don't have to come back into the practice. And if sometimes the treatment is not going as planned, then we have the opportunity to communicate with the patients what to do either to keep wearing some aligners for a longer period or also to come back for a second visit. And all of this data, I mean, 35,000 patients, all of this data we are collecting and we are learning from it to improve our treatment continuously. And I think that's a big advantage that we have in comparison, you know, to a lot of dentists that just work with their own patient base. We, uh, by treating so many patients, you can really improve continuously your product and the way you're doing things. You're also growing the team quite rapidly. Uh, you're close to 500 team members now, and you probably, I'm guessing, recruited a few hundred during COVID, which means you may have never met them. How does that work? If you had asked me two years ago, I probably would have said that's not possible. But uh, Corona taught us uh, that there are so many things uh, that we thought are not possible, are actually possible, um, but it is still a challenge. Yes, we have a very now clear onboarding process that allows us to onboard our employees remotely. And we spend a lot of effort into that to develop those onboarding sessions uh, digitally. And um, But it's still not the same. And, you know, a year ago, I knew everybody from personally talking to them and now we have grown so fast and us in such a remote setup that there are many team members I haven't even met once and that is a challenge and I can say I think remote and home office is here to stay we will not go back to the world we had before corona that's clear but I'm very much looking forward meeting every one of our great team members also in person because it is it is a different experience I think everyone suddenly is looking forward to that I wanted to ask you about your ambitions to become the unicorn company, and there's been quite a bit of buzz around that. Can you elaborate a little? 
yeah, I guess the bus came out because I made the statement that I want to be the first female-led unicorn. Yeah, for me, the evaluation, if it's a billion US dollars or more or less, that doesn't really uh, mean a lot to me. It's uh, more about what we wanted to say is we have big plans. <laughs> we uh, want to grow a really big company, uh, a company that has impact on the health system in Europe and that is an extraordinary, hopefully also employer to their team members. And that was the, the key message behind it. It just was really about we have big plans and we are not going to stop in the markets we are in. And we're also not going to stop with the product we are currently offering because we would also like to add more dental products to our portfolio because we believe there are more interesting and meaningful treatments that can be offered in a better way. There was quite quite a bit of a reaction to your, your announcement. And, and first of all, kudos to you, more power to you. And it's about bloody time that this is happening. So I was I was quite surprised. It, really, there's none that can't be right. But yes, you know, this is apparently the case. So I, I hope you guys are making it. And as a communicator, I look at such an announcement, obviously think to myself, okay, to what extent is this? Surely, if I know that there will be a reaction to this, both positive and negative, to what extent was that something you wanted to provoke as, as a debate? And to what extent was it, okay, I'll just put it out there and see what happens? It was more the, the second. We put it out there because I thought, wow, this is remarkable that there's no female-led or co-led unicorn out there yet. And I was quite surprised by the reaction to it. But I think it's uh, it creates a discussion that is healthy. Maybe it encourages more women to say, I want to be the first one or I want to be uh, build up my own company. And I, if there's one woman I can encourage to think big and to, you know, go out there and make a similar statement, then I think it was a good debate to have. Very, very true. How would you describe your own network? Do you see potentially not, you know, other unicorn female founders, but do you have other kind of women that you look up to or that you connect with? that you think are really kind of important in the kind of industry that you're working in or what what does your network look like? Well, uh, there are so many fantastic women out there that either leading great companies or have built or building up their own companies. And I'm in, in contact with some of them. I was very impressed by, uh, to be honest, by Tina Müllers. She reacted on my post on LinkedIn, even though I don't know her personally, but I'm following her quite closely also on LinkedIn and on what, what she's doing and how she's doing things. And I admire her for her clear words uh, that she always puts out there. And uh, there are, of course, others like Verena Pauster. I'm a huge fan of her. I really loved her book, Das Neue Land, because it's, I found it super inspiring. She really spoke from her heart, but it's also, she, she hit a lot of points that I feel very strong about. So uh, just to name uh, two women that I personally look up to, but there are definitely very many more strong women, particularly also in the Berlin startup scene that I'm connected and that where we exchange thoughts and ideas on a regular basis. Fantastic. And, and uh, you also have some uh, very interesting investors, obviously. Mario Götze is one of them, who is a footballer, for those who don't know, and he scored the only goal in Germany's World Cup victory in the 2014 final. So for anyone who follows sport, he's obviously uh, knows him and, and will forever be thankful for that goal. How 
does this does it help to have such a big name among your investors? Does it give you credibility, or does it really not matter because he's a footballer? So, in terms of business advice, he's not seen as, as necessarily as a role model. Well, I clearly see him as a as a role model, and uh, we love to have him in our cap table. But what I appreciate even more, to be honest, is that he's actually a patient of ours. You know, you can invest in a company because you can believe that they will make great money and be a great investment. But he invested in us because he first decided to become a patient and he experienced the treatment for himself. And that made him feel very strong about the opportunity that we are offering. And that was for me the biggest um, feedback I could have wished for, that there's someone who has tried out the treatment and then is so convinced that he wanted to put his own money into supporting us. So, and did he get in touch with you after the treatment? So cool, I want to invest in this company? Or did, did you hear he's a patient and reached out? It was a bit of both. So uh, he just booked an appointment in one hour dental practices and then he simply bought the treatment. And at some point, uh, someone woke up and said, wow, that's Mario Götze. And then we actually called him and wanted to hear uh, how he the treatment is going. And that's how the initial contact was established. And then when we uh, were looking for a, a new financing round, we op uh, openly discussed with him whether he wants to participate and yeah it didn't take him too long to say yes has investment changed since the times of corona like i guess previously people were always you know trying to meet with their investors and talk to them and take them out for coffee and get to know them and show them what they're doing which is kind of not so possible right now and i was just wondering from your own experience how have you kind of reconciled with that for us it's even i would say more dramatic because we have really something to show. Uh, our dental lab, uh, when we started off the uh, um, financing round in beginning of 2020, we were still able to invite potential investors in-house and to show them what we are doing. And that was usually the moment where the eyes completely cracked and they saw that we are not only talking and putting nice, nice slides out there, but that we really you could can feel the spirit of the company and the, the physical lab is uh, was always very impressive to them. So we definitely miss out that portion and it's uh, much more difficult to transport all of that just via Zoom. We uh, made a digital tour uh, through our production so that we can share some of the insights with them. It's not the same, but you know, you try to do your best to bring over this the spirit and also not meeting personally also doesn't help. So yes, it's more challenging, but uh, then again, I think we all learned a lot during Corona and how things then have to happen digitally. And um, in the end, it also worked quite well. And to be honest, our latest investor, uh, Jepson Capital from Hong Kong, not sure if they would have flown in uh, for a physical visit even outside of Corona. So. That, that's interesting. I mean, the, the move to digital pitching and a digital tour of your facility has actually opened up the possibility to work with investors who are f on different, in different parts of the world. But would you say that that has been a new opportunity that you wouldn't have stumbled over without Corona because you would have pitched more locally? That I don't. No, I don't think so. I mean, also uh, with Ping An, for instance, uh, last year there's an uh, international uh, Chinese-based uh, investor there we also reached out or got into contact and we always thought 
globally and not to local. And as a communicator, I mean, you, you, you're already a fantastic communicator and you, you're one of the faces of the company and, and you're a fantastic storyteller. Is there any, any, any part of the PR, communications, branding, marketing toolbox you want to explore further over the next year or so? As, as the company grows, obviously the leaders also tend to grow and want to grow further. And are you deliberately looking at, at any, any additional skill in the communications arena? Well, thanks, Oliver, for the compliment. I don't think that I'm a great communicator so far. And uh, obviously, when you look at my social media profiles, uh, I have been very quiet so far, also because I was just too busy to uh, trying to do my very best to uh, be a great CEO for this company. But I think it's an it's important part of, of the job that you're also professionalizing in your PR. And yes, there's a lot that I have to learn and that I'm uh, working on developing my personal skills. I'm not active at all on Instagram, for instance, or Facebook. I mean, these are channels I will definitely also look into at some point. And lastly, before we finish up, what would be your final piece of communications advice? For me, the most important topic to communicate to your team is really the vision and the purpose of your company. And also, if I may, I would share an anecdote with you because I believe that people really want to know why they are doing things. It's not enough anymore to tell, you know, this is where we're going and now let's do it. Um, you really have to, to draw the, the vision. And we have a beautiful vision at Plastente, a great vision, but we were also growing very quickly uh, in the past 18 months. And uh, during our financing round, you know, we spent so much time explaining to others, to investors, what the, the, the vision and what the purpose of this company is and what drives us and what it is we want to achieve. And then at some point we, we noticed we missed out to share all of that with actually our growing team and that we had many team members that were only with us for six months or eight months. And that maybe don't have that clear picture in their head. So we created a, what we called a manifesto where we explained the story, why we were founded, but also what are the core beliefs of this company and the core values. And that all then summed up to a golden cycle inspired by Simon Sinek with our why, our how, and our what. And we shared that with the whole team. And we continuously share that also with new members to, you know, to inspire them and to give them really the full picture of what this company is really about. And um, if you ask me, I think giving a team members the vision and the idea on what you want to achieve and then in involve them by making it happen, that's a very strong and important factor of CEO communication. That, that is a great idea. And this uh, manifesto, is that, uh, is that a written document? Is that something that's communicated also verbally in a presentation? Or how, how can we picture this? It is a presentation, but it doesn't is not shared as a presentation. It's always presented live and with the, you know, with the spirit and with the emotions that come with it. And uh, I held the manifesto in an all hands meeting in front of everyone, and actually we taped it. So now we can also share it with. It's part of our onboarding session, so we will share it also with all of our new employees. Very nice. Well, Eva, thank you so much for chatting to us today. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you, Avon. I hope you come back uh, once you are, uh, you know, leading the unicorn, <laughs> hopefully next year. So be super interested in how the, the next stages of your journey and Plus Dental's journey are. So thank you so much and all the best for the expansion into those new markets in the next few weeks. So we keep our fingers crossed for all these new uh, team members coming on board and uh, good luck for the next uh, couple of years. Uh, love to see you all over the globe and uh, bringing that smile to millions of people. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you, Lena.